Marina and company from Ukraine with a song about a neighbor and not a very neighborly one. Vitaju vas vsih dorehi radio suhachi na radio prashamu nash holos radio krinsko ho korinya na bahatumovni radio stansi AM 1320 CHMB umisci Vancouveri. Primikrofoni Pavlina. Dobri vachir and welcome to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. I'm your host, Pavlina. Thank you so much for joining me on today's program. Ukrainian Food Flair will feature another Christmas recipe to help with your Christmas baking if you're short on ideas as well. On Cultural Capsule, Vassil will continue the story of the modern classic song, Namolui Mininich, Paint Me the Night. And we've got a Kanishka Corner book review, a commentary from the Kiev Independent newspaper outlining some popular misconceptions about Ukraine. And of course, our usual proverb of the work week, other items of interest and great Ukrainian music. And coming up next is a song by contemporary Ukrainian group Ethnogen. And the song is called Krov Chervona Zemlya Chorna, Red Blood, Black Land. Зашло сонце за
Thanks to the foresight and generosity of its donors, the Shevchenko Foundation has been investing in the future of the Ukrainian-Canadian community for the past 60 years. Since 1963, the Shevchenko Foundation has been funding initiatives that strengthen our Ukrainian-Canadian identity and enhance our Ukrainian-Canadian cultural heritage. These include fine and performing artists and arts groups, museums, cultural centers, education, as well as authors, journalists, and the Ukrainian-Canadian media, including this program. The Foundation strives to become the premier not-for-profit foundation in a Canada which acknowledges the Ukrainian-Canadian community as a fundamental component of Canadian society. Nash Holos listeners are encouraged to support this vision through continued donations into the future. To apply for grants, make a donation, or for more information, visit www.shochenkofoundation.ca. Early bird weekend passes for Canada's National Ukrainian Festival are now available for only $125. Don't miss the very best in Ukrainian culture, food, music, and dancing on August long weekend at the festival site south of Dauphin, Manitoba. Like and follow Canada's National Ukrainian Festival on Facebook for ongoing updates and performer announcements. You can now purchase your weekend passes and camping passes in person or online at cnuf.ca. Come on, 
the Ensemble Krinitsia with a song about the Black Sea Cossacks. Up next, from the Nasholos Audio Archives, Ukrainian Food Flare. Hello! Poppy seed roll, called makivnik in Ukrainian, is a favorite traditional Ukrainian dessert that is a must on the pastry tray at Christmas. It's easy to make. Just spread poppy seed filling on your favorite sweet dough, roll up like a jelly roll, and bake. The poppy seed filling that I'm going to share with you in a minute can be used with equally delicious results in strudel, as well as in dessert pierogies or vareniki. These are great for Christmas Eve dinner, along with the prune pierogies or vareniki that for some families are mandatory at this meal. Dessert pierogies are made basically the same way as you would make savory pierogies. Use regular pierogi dough and the same cooking method. You eat them the same way too, with gusto, and any time except on Christmas Eve with sour cream or sweetened whipped cream. Meanwhile, to make this fabulous poppy seed filling, you will need one cup poppy seeds, a third cup honey or sugar, half a cup ground walnuts or almonds, one egg white, one teaspoon grated lemon rind. Scald poppy seeds in boiling water and drain. Cover with warm water and let sit for 30 minutes. Drain thoroughly in a fine sieve. Grind poppy seeds with the fine blade of a food chopper or nut grinder. You can also use a blender, coffee grinder, mortar, or rolling pin. Mix sugar lemon rind, nuts, and stiffly beaten egg white. Mix gently into poppy seeds. This recipe makes two cups. You can find a basic sweet dough recipe in any good cookbook. And of course, my favorite is in our cookbook, as are several recipes for pierogi dough. So try it. It's Ukrainian. This has been Ukrainian Food Flare from the Nasholos Audio Archives. Yeah. 
Kozak Sidamaha with a song called, his most recent release called Vistoyamo Persevere. Up next is a gorgeous Ukrainian cover, actually bilingual, of a 1960s North American anti-war protest song with a heart-wrenching and timeless message. Anna Kinzerska, Alexander Novikov, and Noah Stakenborg with the Ukrainian cover of Blowing in the Wind. How many roads must a man walk down Before you can call him a man How many seas must a white dove sail Before she sleeps in the sand Yes, and how many times must the cannonballs fly Before they forever banned The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind The answer is blowing in the wind Oh, skill, kiroki, is no theory Щоб хвилями змило її Скільки буду чекати народи землі Свободи настали, щоб ні Скільки можна іще відвертати свізір І вдавати, що добре усе Відповідь, друже, де світер Відповідь вітер десь поніс. Скільки вгору потрібно дивитись разів, щоб помітити та небеса. Оскільки потрібно ще вух голові, щоб чути людей у сльозах, скільки душ ще повинно зінятись лись, щоб збагнули вже досить смертей, відповідь друже, де світер поніс, відповідь вітер не споніс. My friend is blowing in the wind. The answer is blowing in the wind. Hello, I'm Vasil Pawlowski, and welcome to part two of this cultural capsule on Nash Holos about the song. Based on the poem by Mikola Petrenko. In our last episode, we heard the version of the music composed by Miroslav Skorik, as sung by Lyubov Tchaikovska. However, this was not the only music written to Petrenko's poem. Another version that was more popular amongst the Ukrainian diaspora in North America was the musical arrangement written by Bogdan Veselovsky. Veselovsky emigrated to Montreal, Canada in 1949, and he worked in the Ukrainian division of Radio Canada International his entire life. Veselovsky started writing music at the age of 16 and throughout the 1930s contributed to the active jazz scene in Lviv through an ensemble called Yabso Jazz, led by Leonid Yablonsky. 
A tango written by Veselovsky entitled Predeshechas, There Will Come Another Time, originally was just an instrumental, though at one of the group's performances in a club of the day interview called Besida, which could be loosely translated as conversation or to chat, present was Stepan Chanetsky, the author of Oyuluzhi Chervona Koluna in 1914. He, with Veselovsky, agreed to compose some lyrics to the melody and it became one of Veselovsky's most popular compositions in the 1930s. In 2015, Petrenko, the poem's creator, penned an article for Slova Prosvita, the word of Prosvita. He wrote, and I quote, At our meeting, Bogdan Veselovsky himself explained to me that he undertook to write this song, knowing already about the popularity of Skorik. He felt that the potential of the underlying conflict of sacrificing the dearest for the sake of the idea of light and truth was not utilized to its proper extent. In other words, it was obvious to him that it was about the dissident youth of the 60s, which was truly ready to sacrifice itself, a conviction convincingly proven by the defeat of the creative environment of that time, numerous arrests and trials. And he smiled. His sons claim that their father's song more accurately reflects the real realities so they consider it better. As someone who grew up in Canada, I can understand the sentiment of Veselovsky that Petrenko expressed. The last line of his work is setting out on a journey to burn. The version I shared, which caught the ear of our host Pavlina, was the version written by Veselovsky. The presentation of this version was presented by Sofia Leshishchak, a graduate of the Theater and Stage Design Program from Ivan Franco University in 2019, and now an actress at the Les Ukrainka Theater in Vienna. She is also a singer in two different musical projects, Yagode, a female quartet, and a project called Opera Myth. She has over 56,000 followers on her Instagram account. In her post regarding Veselovsky's version of Namalyu Mininich on Instagram, she wrote, I first encountered this man's music in university, and it was love at first sight. In my opinion, this young songstress could easily understand Veselovsky's version much more for a variety of reasons. Given her age, it is my feeling that one of the reasons is that she had no affinity towards the period of the genre of estrada and is conscientiously exploring the many talents of Ukrainian music and composition. In closing, I want to share with you her version. In fact, it's two minutes and four seconds shorter. I leave it to you, the listeners, to decide which version you like the best. Thanks for that cultural capsule, Vassil, and I'm sure it's going to be very difficult for our listeners, as it is for me, to decide which is the better version, this rendition, or the one you shared last week. We're coming up next. We'll completely switch genres. Here is Rushnichok with A Blast from the Past and the song of Yuri Tichunik, a famous Cossack from the World War I era. Nem, 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 nem,
mina pjemoj, jaz mi prav Ej, okej, je bi bolo, ki šak v kolone, heroj učekaj, jaz se Ne rivnem boju Ej, bo stav na slobodju Hej, se mon petljura Bo rodi za mati svoju Sluhajte radio programu Naš holos Radio Ukrinjskoho Korinja. Pri mikrofoni Pavlina. You're listening to Naš holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. I'm Pavlina. Ukraine is under deadly attack and Ukraine War Amps is asking for your help with a donation today. Funds are desperately needed by Ukrainian defenders for bulletproof jackets, helmets, walkie-talkies, food, water and gas, and by civilians, including children, for food, water and medications and, when possible, escape to safety. Please donate today to Ukraine War Amps via PayPal, e-transfer to ukrainewaramps at gmail.com or visit ukrainewaramps.ca. Місія Шевченківської фундації розвивати громаду та її творчість, яка нас єднає. Ми пишаємося сильною, щедрою і спічутливою громадою, яка зберігає українські традиції в привабливому, всеосяжному канадському стилі. У цей святковий час закликаємо вас підтримати Шевченківську фундацію і тим ви вкладете свою цеглинку в розвиток української культури в Канаді. Пожертвуйте сьогодні. ShevchenkoFoundation.com Bird weekend passes for Canada's National Ukrainian Festival are now available for only $125. Don't miss the very best in Ukrainian culture, food, music, and dancing on August long weekend at the festival site south of Dauphin, Manitoba. Like and follow Canada's National Ukrainian Festival on Facebook for ongoing updates and performer announcements. You can now purchase your weekend passes and camping passes in person or online at cnuf.ca.
палец свічки всі люди, хоч без світла та без вас. Спешені всі мережі, терпіння вже на межі, без зв'язку, але не спать. Життя кипить у місі, ми співаємо пісні, голосно, аби без вас. Toronto Nastasia Y with her original composition, her latest release, and it speaks very eloquently to Ukraine's position on this horrific war being waged in their lands. A message to the invaders, Bizvas, without you. Welcome to Knishka Corner, book reviews by Myra Junik. Stories about Ukraine and Ukrainians in English. In this edition of Knishka Corner, we will be discussing Hope for Ukraine, Stories of Grit and Grace from the Front Lines of War, written by Kyle Duncan and Esther Fedorkevich. Hope for Ukraine is a harrowing look at the realities of the war in Ukraine. The authors, Kyle Duncan and Esther Fedorkevich, combine narrative and analysis to show readers how the Ukrainian people survived with grit and grace. Both writers have deep family ties to Ukraine and provide readers with eyewitness accounts of Ukrainian refugees, aid workers, soldiers, and ordinary families dealing with the chaos of war. Esther's maternal Ukrainian grandparents fled religious persecution and Stalin's Holodomor in the early 1930s. Kyle adopted six-year-old Zhenya in 2007 from an orphanage in Mariupol. The writers have a powerful message. The word hope in this book's title can be read as both a noun and a verb. While we believe there is hope for Ukraine, we also believe it's critical to hope and pray for peace. The book begins with a timeline of Ukraine's history beginning in 700 BC and ending with the Russian invasion of Ukraine on February the 24th, 2022. The 22 chapters explore how Ukrainians of all ages have experienced the invasion of their country. Kyle spent three weeks in Poland and Western Ukraine in March and April of 2022. He interviewed refugees, aid workers, and volunteers. Esther conducted interviews with those who stayed in the country during the invasion. Their goal was to tell the stories of real Ukrainians living through the largest and most devastating war in Europe in eight decades. The first story describes the struggles of Dmitri and Mariana, who were in the process of adopting their 16-year-old son, Maxim, Max, when the Russians invaded Ukraine on February the 24th, 2022. Both were Ukrainians who had become U.S. citizens. Their adoption had been approved, but the judge would not waive a 30-day waiting period. They faced a serious challenge because Max had to wait in Ukraine as the war began, while they returned to Tampa and their three younger children. Max took shelter in his trade school building as the Russians bombed the area of his orphanage west of Zaporizhia. Eventually, Dmitri and Mariana persuaded Albert Hornyak, a war chaplain, to find Max and take him out of the war zone to safety in Lviv. On his last day in Ukraine, March the 26th, Max witnessed a Russian missile slam into an industrial complex in Lviv. After being reunited with her son, Mariana explained, The fact that Max went through all that he did and is with us now is a miracle. 
It's proof that no matter what the devil throws at you, God's plan is greater and stronger. There are many other stories in this book. Aid workers organizing a safe place for Ukrainian orphans in a Polish hunting lodge. A Royal Marine veteran from Glasgow fighting with the International Legion of Ukraine. And newlyweds Johnny and Ira organizing much-needed drugs for elderly Ukrainians. There are also vivid descriptions of the siege of Avostal in Mariupol, Ukraine's deep Jewish roots, Ukraine's indigenous peoples, and the fight against human trafficking of Ukrainian refugees. These stories show the unwavering dedication of Ukrainians and their allies to helping the Ukrainian people survive during the time of war. Readers will be shocked by some of the graphic depictions of violence and abuse in this book. On the other hand, they will be inspired by the courage, resilience, and patriotism of Ukrainians of all ages during the difficult time. The humanitarian response to the plight of Ukrainian refugees is described very well. Both writers have worked in Christian faith-based publishing, but the stories they tell are not exclusively told from a faith perspective. The proceeds of this book will be donated to aid organizations helping Ukrainian refugees. Readers should look forward to more books from these writers after Ukraine is once again free. Kyle Duncan is a native Californian who has written for publications such as the Los Angeles Magazine and the Daily Bruin. He has also worked as a New York Times best-selling ghostwriter and editor. Hope for Ukraine is his first book inspired by his personal experience of adopting his son Corey Zhenya from Mariupol, Ukraine. He lives in San Diego with his family. Esther Fedorkavich is a literary and entertainment agent who founded the Fed Agency. She has represented faith-based authors, athletes, politicians, and other influential writers, and has over 80 New York Times bestsellers on her list. She lives in Austin with her family. Hope for Ukraine is available at Chapters Indigo and Amazon. Thank you, Myra, for another thorough and thoughtful review. Join us again soon for another Kanishka Corner Book Review with Myra Junik here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. In the meantime, if you'd like to listen again to this or Myra's previous reviews or read the transcript, you can find them archived at our website, www.nasholos.com. Up next, a commentary by the Kiev Independent. For centuries, Russia has been imposing its colonial view of history on the world. Today, Moscow is using imperial narratives for its war propaganda against Ukraine. Ten Popular Misconceptions About Ukrainian History Number one, Moscow is the legitimate successor of Kiev and Rus. To justify its imperial conquest of Ukraine, Russia says that Moscow is the legitimate successor of Kiev and Rus. Kiev and Rus was a powerful medieval state that emerged on the territory of modern-day Belarus, Russia, and Ukraine. However, none of those nations existed as such at that time. The falsification of history dates back to the 12th century, when Andrei Bogolubsky proclaimed himself the Grand Prince of the Vladimir Stuzdal Principality. Russian historiography claims that the capital of Kiev and Rus was then moved from Kiev to Vladimir, and then eventually to Moscow. In reality, Kyiv remained the most important city of the region until the Kyiv and Rus polity was destroyed by the Mongols in the year 1240. However, Kyiv was soon rebuilt and retained its importance in the following centuries, contrary to Russian claims. Number two, Ukrainians and Russians are one people. Moscow has repeatedly denied the existence of the Ukrainian nation. 
Instead, it claims that Ukrainians, Russians, and Belarusians are all a single people. From the 13th century, the developments of the peoples of present-day Ukraine and Russia followed different paths. Ukraine has been defined by its Cossack past. Zaporizhian Cossacks had their own self-government, with elections and a popular assembly. Meanwhile, Russia has continuously opted for autocracy. Through their centuries apart, Ukrainians and Russians developed distinct cultures and languages. Despite being part of the same regional subgroup, the Ukrainian and Russian languages have less lexical similarity than Spanish does with French. For centuries, Russia has been trying to wipe out the Ukrainian identity by banning its culture and language and by distorting history. In the Russian Empire, Russians even called Ukrainians Little Russians. The Soviet Union was forced to acknowledge the existence of Ukrainians, yet still portrayed them as a brotherly people, very close and impossible to picture apart. Despite decades of oppression, Ukrainians continued to cultivate their culture and finally broke free in 1991. Number 3. Crimea is Russian To justify Russia's occupation of Crimea and subsequent invasion of Donbass in 2014, Putin has said that the peninsula is historically Russian territory. The myth goes that when Soviet leader Nikita Khrushchev transferred Crimea from the Russian Soviet Socialist Republic to the Ukrainian one in 1954, it was a mere ill-advised gift. However, Crimea had zero ties to Russia before the Russian Empire annexed the peninsula in the late 18th century. The annexation forced hundreds of thousands of Crimean Tatars, the indigenous people of the Crimean Peninsula, to flee to the Ottoman Empire. Decades of oppression against the indigenous people culminated in the Soviet regime's deportation of nearly the entire population of Crimean Tatars, as well as Armenians, Bulgarians, Greeks, and other communities to Central Asia and Russia. Many did not survive the journey. Only in 1989 were deported Crimean Tatars allowed to return home, but their homes were already occupied by Russians who had moved into the peninsula. The vote for Ukraine's independence in the 1991 referendum and resistance against the Russian invasion in 2014 again showed that Crimea is Ukrainian. Number four, the Holodomor famine was a result of a bad harvest. The Holodomor, the man-made famine in Ukraine, is widely recognized as a genocide against the Ukrainian people. Though Russia says it was merely the result of a bad harvest, evidence proves otherwise. Forcefully included into the Soviet Union, Ukrainians were mostly farmers with a strong sense of cultural identity and attachment to their land. That's why they actively resisted the Soviet collectivization, or collective farming, imposed by Joseph Stalin. Stalin stepped up the effort to erase Ukrainian identity in Ukrainian villages and the region of Kuban, where many Ukrainians live. By implementing his five-year plans, Stalin actually condemned Ukrainian peasants to death by starvation. Ukrainians were forced to provide fantastically unrealistic amounts of grain to the state, and Stalin's Law of Spikelets forbade them to keep any food for themselves. The Soviets confiscated not only the harvest, but any foodstuffs that could help Ukrainians survive. Resistance and attempts to escape Ukraine were met with severe punishments, including execution. Receiving any help from outside was prohibited as well. Meanwhile, grain was stocked and exported abroad. The Soviet regime tried to silence any news about the massive hunger that was killing millions of Ukrainians. Number 5. Communism was a good idea with bad implementation. Some believe that communism is a great idea which has just not been properly implemented. But can it be implemented at all? Communism is impossible in practice as well as in theory. It is supposed to be established through a dictatorship of the proletariat, where the rule of the working class implies the erasure of the bourgeoisie. History has proven that any attempt to implement communism has eventually turned into abuse of power and the opposite of equality. In the Soviet Union, communism served as a cover for totalitarian rule that, according to historian Robert Conquest, killed at least 15 million people. Through terror, mass executions, deportations, and forced labor, the Soviets eventually gained the economic growth they strived for. However, the prosperity it generated only reached a narrow ruling class. But it couldn't last long. The communist ideal of a classless society was shattered by the USSR's economic mismanagement, lies, and complete disregard for human rights and freedoms.
Number six, Ukrainians are Nazis. Russia has demonized Ukrainians ever since they made a clear decision to reorient their country towards the West during the Euromaidan revolution. Russian officials and propagandists often call Ukrainians Nazis and Banderites, referring to the supporters of 20th century nationalist Stepan Bandera. Bandera is a controversial figure in Ukraine. He was an ideologist of the National Liberation Movement that arose in response to the Polish rule in Western Ukraine and the subsequent terror of the Soviet regime. Eventually, Bandera became a fierce enemy of the USSR. Russian propaganda has continuously fixated on the topic of Bandera's collaboration with Germany, despite his being jailed by the Gestapo. So is Ukraine actually full of Nazis? Far-right parties are not very popular in modern Ukraine. In the last parliamentary elections, Ukraine's right-wing party gained only 2% of the vote, thus failing to pass the threshold to enter the Verhovna Rada. Ukraine is one of the least anti-Semitic countries in Central and Eastern Europe. In fact, Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky, is himself the Jewish descendant of Holocaust survivors. Number 7. Russia liberated Europe from the Nazis Modern-day Russia uses the Soviet mythology of the so-called Great Patriotic War in an attempt to monopolize the victory in World War II. Russia, the primary successor of the Soviet Union, sees the defeat of the Nazis as its own achievement, ignoring the role of other nations. The truth is that more than 6 million Ukrainians, as well as other members of non-Russian nationalities, fought in the Red Army against Nazi Germany. Ukraine suffered some of the heaviest losses in World War II, having over half of its soldiers killed. That is more than the losses of France, the UK, and the US combined. Hence, the Soviet Union's victory would have been impossible without the contribution of all of its former nations and the effort of the anti-Hitler coalition. Number 8. Ukraine is divided East versus West There is a common misconception about the implacable discord between Ukraine's West and East. This myth has been cultivated by Russia's decades-long influence in Ukraine. After the country gained its independence, Ukraine's pro-Russian politicians weaponized internal differences to their advantage. Ukraine is indeed a country of ethnic, cultural, religious, and linguistic diversity, but so are many other nations in Europe. Against its will, Ukraine had been divided and scarred by various occupation regimes for centuries, but the narrative about a divided Ukraine has been blown far out of proportion. Russia's all-out war has proven that despite certain differences, Ukrainians are united in their belief in Ukrainian independence and nationhood. Number 9. Ukraine is a project of the West. The Kremlin insists that Ukraine is merely a political project of the West created to undermine Russia. This narrative lives off of two myths. The first one says that Ukrainians have always actually been Russian, and the concept of Ukrainian identity was made up by Polish ethnologist Jan Potosky. The other myth says that Ukrainian nationalism erupted in tiny circles of Ukrainophiles in the Austro-Hungarian Empire, but was never widespread. This is how Russia has tried to convince the world that Ukrainians have never actually strived for independence. But many scholars agree that modern nations started to develop in the late 18th century. The Ukrainian National Revival began shortly after. Despite centuries of oppression, Ukrainians preserved their national idea and eventually restored their independence. Number 10. Ukraine is culturally poor. Both Imperial and then Soviet Russia presented Ukrainian culture as something unsophisticated and worthy of scorn. In books, movies, and on TV, Ukrainians were often portrayed as silly peasants dressed in primitive traditional clothes, eating salvo pork fat, and drinking. The Russian Empire and then the USSR tried to erase Ukrainian identity, from banning Ukrainian language to carrying out mass executions of Ukrainian intellectuals. Despite repressions, Ukrainian culture has managed to flourish over the centuries, resulting in an endless list of outstanding names and their works. After independence, events like the Euromaidan Revolution and the Russian invasion gave a new impetus to the development of Ukrainian culture and sparked international interest in Ukrainian traditions, music, garments, and literature. And that commentary was from the Kiev Independent YouTube channel, where you can find more information about Ukraine, past and present. Up next, Mickey and Bunny with Chorene Orel, Black Eagle. Let's <laughs> 
crate Sedem que se estrau cate Za prati complate Sedem que se estrau cate Za prati complate Oi cau daleco Vajuja e zemli O palmin ramene Vichujo e culi O palmin ramene Vichujo e Oi doro a sestra, tu bilis que a bicho Vejo e ao espetal, as lis com colicho Vejo e ao espetal, as lis com colicho Tu bilis que a bicho, resnica de mami Varo que me nua, e a vejo o espetal Moja gospodarka, ljudi čorna jama, nikto nije pohljane, nita to ni mama, nikto nije pohljane, nita to ni mama. Leti čorni ore, Na HDI vi slukajte radio programu Naš Holos, radio našoho Korinja, na Bahatomovni radio stanci AM 1320 CHMB u misti Vancouveri. Ne žalme že skinčila našo programu, poranem proščate se na šteldeni teždeni, ali peritem zeme slovame mudroste. Tvoja tinj vse podibna do tebe. And our proverb of the week translates as, Your shadow has the same shape as you do. And that brings us to the end of another edition of Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. Just a reminder that the Nanaimo edition of Nash Holos can be heard in the Vancouver listening area on CHLY 101.7 FM, Wednesdays at 11 a.m. If you miss our on-air or live stream broadcast, you'll find the podcast link at our website, www.nashholos.com. And, of course, you can also find Nash Holos on your favorite podcast app. Well, our time is about up, so to wrap things up, we've got by, the By Request Band from Sardo, Manitoba, and the Kerosene Polka. I'm Pavlina, on behalf of all of us here at Nash Holos and AM 1320. Thanks for listening, and Dobranich! <laughs>
Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.